Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionists and dietitians from Nutritional Weight and Wellness. We explain the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned for practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through real food nutrition. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestones. Looking for fun and feeling groovy. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. This is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. My name is Kara Carper. I've been a practicing nutritionist for 10 years. You know, when I work with clients, I try to find out what they want to accomplish with their health. And quite often they will say, I would love to lose some weight. Yes, losing weight is a goal for many, and it's it's a good goal. As a nutritionist, I try to encourage clients to eat better for their overall health, you know, not just so that they can lose weight for a few weeks, but really so that they're healthy for a lifetime, because we ultimately know that diets do not work long term. So we're going to talk all about this today, and I'm excited to be joined in the studio by a special guest, Nell Calls. And Nell, hi, Cara. Hi, Nell. So fun to be on with you again. <laughs> Nell sat down with me 10 years ago. We just figured that out. We did the math. It was 10 years. I can't believe it's been that much time. 10 wonderful years. June of 2008. Yes. And I don't know if you actually said these words, but, um, you know, I want to lose almost 100 pounds. Yeah. I believe there was a lot of sobbing that first time. It was a very it was emotional, emotional meeting. I remember I, I I cried probably half of the two hours, but felt hope at the yeah. end of it for sure. It's a really big deal for it, someone to pick up the phone and then physically come in for an yeah. appointment like that and just say, you know, I'm ready to deal with this. Yep, it sure was. It was a very, very emotional. And I think I think it was you were the perfect person for that because you just were so patient and let me cry it out. And mm-hmm. I think at that point I had kind of given up. I had been on so many diets. I thought, Poof, I don't know. I just, I just want to feel better. Yeah. And I did say, you know, I, if I were to, to want to lose weight and get to my weight, it would be a hundred pounds. And, you know, I was so emotional because since the age of 12, I had tried every diet out there and they had all failed me. Right. So with right. each diet, I, would maybe lose a little weight at first and maybe a lot of weight at first, but I always got heavier and heavier. And I remember it so clearly. It was the summer after my, or right before my eighth grade year. And I begged my mother to take me to Weight Watchers. I remember she was going to Weight Watchers and that was when they had Weight Watchers in the churches around town. Yeah. (laughs) very vividly. And I remember getting my little book and getting weighed in for the first time at the age of 12. It was really, really a sad day in retrospective. I learned how to count calories, count to ultimately count points, Mm -hmm. but not how to eat healthy. So I mean, that is sad. I mean, not that, you know, the goal of losing weight is obviously a very good thing. Yeah. Someone needs to lose weight. But you know, we want to do it so that our bodies are healthy. Right, right. <laughs> as we know, it's much more than points and calories in, calories out. Absolutely. And I just wanted, you know, for listeners, if you haven't heard Nell before, you know, I don't know if we've actually said that she is 
90 pounds less today. I am maintaining, so, maintaining yeah. that 90 pound weight loss, which is, it's you just, know, after being on diets where you keep rebounding and adding weight on, being able to maintain. Mm-hmm. And maybe we can talk about this a little later. Maintenance is probably the hardest part of the weight loss journey, but it is, it is, my life is so much better. Mm-hmm. Not having well, congratulations that again. Thank you. you know, I just can't say that um, enough times. Thank you. Well, today we want to share a refreshing concept with all of you listeners, and that is the title of our show. You don't need to be perfect to lose weight. Yeah, that may be new information for some people. It was new information for me because I felt like if I wasn't perfect, there's no way the scale would move. Uh, so just a question here. Uh, did you see the the newspaper headlines last week that read more U.S. adults obese data shows? I am happy to share that I am no longer included in that data because I'm no longer obese. I can now admit to the fact that I wasn't totally perfect while I was losing my weight and I'm still not today. During my consultations with Cara, She would continually convince me that I was eating for my health. So it was always your health first. Mm -hmm. Every time I slipped back into that old dieting mentality and that perfectionistic mindset, she would remind me that my new habit of eating healthy foods was not a diet Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it was a way of life and it was a way to be healthy. And there were a lot of times that you, just like many others, wanted to diet, or I think it just becomes habitual. Right. And it's really because you had been brainwashed since the age of 12. Oh, yeah. Kind of feeling like you needed to diet to, in order to lose weight. You know, you needed to diet. You needed to be counting points, eating low fat or low calorie right. in order to lose weight. And a lot of... People, especially I would say women clients that mm-hmm. we have are kind of they have that misconception like, well, that's the only way to do it is to count and right. eat low fat. Be really rigid about it. Uh, yeah. yeah, I remember that first time you gave me kind of this set of guidelines and it it was it was it was so terrifying because sure. it, it wasn't, you know, you eat. 10 points at breakfast you, or whatever it happened to be. It wasn't very prescriptive. It was giving me the freedom to choose the right foods. And I'd never had that before. And so, like I was saying, I started in 2008, but I don't think I really started losing weight until June of 2009 because mm-hmm. I was just trying to get my bearings of eating like a human. <laughs> and right, not right. In that this was new rigid. It was totally new mm-hmm. for me. So in reality, back when I dieted, I counted points and I ate really low fat. I actually gained more weight and developed binging behaviors. So I remember going to a summer fat camp and that just destroyed my self-esteem. What age was that? So that was um, that that was like eighth grade, ninth grade year. Uh, So, yeah, lifelong struggle. Right. After hearing the dieting message for so many years, I believed the only way to lose weight was to really punish myself and punish my body. And how sad that is. I I look back at those times and my whole life up until I found weight and wellness, nutritional weight and wellness as as a really just struggling, sad, obsessed, obsessed with Mm. food, 
time. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was always this, there was always this thing that was, it was always with me. Yeah. I've heard you say in past shows that once you kind of, you know, after being at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, you felt free, like mm-hmm. you were let out of jail. It was. I was in a prison of my yeah. own making for years. And it wasn't even of my own making. It was kind of society inputs, bad advice, bad nutrition advice right. inputs, um, all of these kinds of things kind of made this just, yeah, just a, a, a really icky, you know, there were happy times, of course, and, you know, mm-hmm. but it was always overshadowed with this thing this that thing. I, yeah, yeah. I, I always I call it like an albatross around your neck where you're just <laughs> right. like always weighted down by this thing yeah. that I'm you sure couldn't a lot get a handle on. can relate oh, to that. For I sure. hear their stories when I teach and yeah. it just breaks my heart, you know, but there is hope. Mm-hmm. Well, for the past 50 years, we've been told to cut calories. We've been told to just cut calories, exercise more. Seems so simple. Right. (laughs) Yet, research shows us that adults have continued to put on extra pounds. Nearly 40% of adults are considered obese. So not just the category of overweight, but actually 40% are now obese. And most people realize that being overweight or obese is unhealthy, but today, more and more people are falling into these categories. So really, that old dieting message of count points, cut calories, mm-hmm. exercise more, it's really been the wrong message wrong this whole message. time. So how many of you have found that with each diet you've tried, you lost weight, but then regained more weight and actually ended up heavier? I think that's how a lot of people end up in those obese and severely obese categories mm-hmm. is because they are dieters. They are trying. I That was me. I think it happens to a lot of Americans because the obesity rate has ribbon, risen so sharply in the past decade. I think we need to chant low-fat diets are out. Low-fat cookies are definitely out. I could never even just stop with one of those cookies. I would eat the whole package. Low-fat yogurt is out. So look at the label. Low-fat or fat-free yogurt doesn't have fat, but it has lots and lots of sugar. So are you confused? Well, I certainly was when I sat down with Kara in my first consultation. She said that I need to eat butter, put heavy cream on my coffee, and use full-fat olive oil salad dressing. (laughs) I was so sure I would gain weight, but I didn't. I actually started to lose weight. Yeah, yeah. So when they take the the fat out of something like yogurt, and it's low-fat, and people are eating it, and they're like, well, this tastes okay. Yeah. Why does it taste like that? Because they've added Added, all the extra sugar. They added the extra sugar. Well, look at that. It's time for our first break. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. As a person who lost 90 pounds 10 years ago, actually, no, I hit my goal weight. It would have been seven years ago in 2011. Um, so I am very, very aware that I need to overeat meat and never overeat meat and vegetables, but give me a sugary treat. And I really struggle to maintain control. For that reason, I decided to look up research about how addicting sugar is for people. Is it addictive to everyone or is it just me? I wanted to know that. I found an interesting study that was published in Neuroscience and Behavioral Review. This study concluded that sugar produced binge-like behavior. Ding, ding, ding. 
We all understand the concept, which is basically, I can't stop with one, one cookie, one M&M, one potato chip, one piece of pizza. Sugar produces binge-like behavior. Isn't that the truth? Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I really like what Nell was saying before break, that sugar creates binge-like behavior. So let's take that a step further and how we think about obesity. If a significant amount of the foods on the standard American diet, the SAD diet, (laughs) is biochemically addictive, full of processed carbohydrates and sugar, then perhaps the entire belief system about having willpower and taking personal responsibility for weight loss may be false. Mm -hmm. So if sugar and high fructose corn syrup are addicting and we're told to eat 100 calorie three-point snacks full of sugar, high fructose corn syrup, aren't we giving our body and our brain mixed messages? It seems to me that addiction will win over willpower virtually every time. So what's the answer? Well, I'm going to let the expert (laughs) now answer that question. I feel like I can address that concern, not only because I have lost 90 pounds, like I said, eight years ago, but have been able to maintain that weight loss. So my answer, at least for me, is to get the sugar and processed carbs out of my diet. I can't eat a muffin or a cookie or a bag of chips or my addiction will kick in and I will want more and more and more. I understand my own biochemistry and furthermore, I respect my own biochemistry. And that is what I have learned from my nutritionist is to respect my biochemistry mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and the whole idea of willpower not even a thing for me anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. if you if you poll the people that I teach in my classes, they all try really, really hard. It's not like they're not trying right. everything possible to lose weight and they feel so much guilt and shame because they don't have the willpower right. to do this. And I said, well, I don't either. And they look at me quizzically and say, well, you did it. And I said, yeah, because I had fat. I had... You ate a, fat. I ate fat and I ate, you know, got the sugar out and, and that is now that, that basically gives me that take it or leave it attitude towards food. Yeah. So the foods that we eat can actually change our biochemistry. Absolutely. So that we are stronger. I mean, so it's not a matter of having willpower or not having willpower. It's about eating the right foods so that we have like serotonin and Absolutely. things like that. Yeah. So that we look at a muffin and it's not as big of a deal. Exactly. Because if you go into, we're living in a toxic food landscape. Let's be frank. We can go into a bookshop and you can get all manner of food and cakes and cookies. Yeah. And I think they sell cheesecake at one of the bookstores at my house. So it's hard to avoid. You're just trying to get a simple you book. Can't, you can't avoid it. So <laughs> what I, I say to people is the way that I eat is really my cravings protection plan. It's really, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm giving myself the base, you know, materials to really fend off all of the food and cravings that I would so naturally have. So true. So true. You know, before break, did you, I think you were starting to get into what you were eating. You, oh, did you talk about how you were eating butter? Mm -hmm. That you said, eat butter, pour some cream in my coffee, and I almost fell off the chair. (laughs) (laughs) And you said you you thought you were going to gain, but you actually started to lose lose. after eating healthy fats. So 
Could the increase in obesity that we were talking about be reflective of the 23% increase in fast food sales that occurred between 2012 and 2017? There's still a lot of people in those drive throughs Yeah. I'm so always shocked. 23% increase mm-hmm. in the last five years. Um, and nearly um, almost a 10% increase in packaged food sales in five years. Yeah. So, of course, we know that these packaged foods, you know, it's not like broccoli. We're not talking about like vegetables and fruits and things like that. We're talking about processed foods in boxes Mm -hmm. and they're high in sugar. They're high in those refined oils and bad fats. Yeah. And if you think of bad fats as those are the fats, butter, good fat, bad fats, those are going to gum up your metabolism. That's the way I visualized it for myself. Mm-hmm. It just kind of gums things up and yeah. helps it not work work great. So when I took my first nutrition for weight loss class, I was still shocked that the teacher was recommending we eat butter, full-fat yogurt, full-fat cream cheese, bacon, avocados, olives, and coconut oil. So when I finally gave up my low-fat eating, I discovered my cravings started to disappear. I felt satisfied for the first time in my life because it really does. It takes, you know, there's a biochemical process behind it and I don't need to get into all the biochemistry of it. But the bottom line is that when you eat fat, you feel full and satiated and it really helps your brain calm down about needing the next bite of something. And, you know, carbohydrates don't do that. They don't right? at all. They actually stoke that fire, yeah. especially refined carbohydrates. Yeah. So like somebody has a bagel for breakfast, that's not going to be satiating. Nope. It you stokes know? that drive for more. Right. For more of the same, for more sugar. More sugar. Yeah. So a vicious wanna, cycle, really. You would have, you know, eggs with butter for breakfast. Yeah, absolutely. Just on the flip side there. So after hearing the the wrong low-fat message for almost 50 years, countless people still believe it's true. However, in 2015, after reviewing all of the research on fats, the Dietary Guidelines Advisory Committee for Americans determined there was no reason to limit fat or even to limit cholesterol in the diet. Suddenly, people probably remember this when it came out in the media, Suddenly it was okay to eat bacon and eggs. I think there was even something on like the cover of Time. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) What if it's all been a big fat lie, I believe was the title. (laughs) Was there even a small splash in the media saying butter is good or eat bacon and eggs to lose weight? I mean, there was a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Or children should drink full fat milk. So there was a little mention of it in the media. But if you didn't catch it, it's yeah. probably because it wasn't headlines on every paper. So right. the food factories happily continued manufacturing all this fat-free, high-sugar food, and people are still buying it. That's that's correct. You know, millions of people still believe the wrong low-fat or fat-free message. So if you're listening, is that what you believe? Do you believe you should be eating low-fat fat-free or low-calorie. Yeah, I hope not. I hope not, too. And, that you know, that's one of the really big points we're trying to get across yeah. today. Yeah, it's it's not going to help you. So I see that we have Ashley on the line. Ashley called in. Hi. Good, good morning, morning, Ashley. What's your question? Um, well, it's kind of a question about sugar. So I have the same problem 
um, as most people, I think, just saying no to sugar. And once I am not having sugar for a while, I'm really good. And then I have one and then it spirals. Well, you're in good company. <laughs> yeah. So I was wondering, does using sugar substitute like Splenda or Stevia or any of those that give you the taste of sugar, does that have the same reaction in your brain as actual sugar? Yeah, and I, I, and Cara, you can give the nutritionist perspective um, about artificial sweeteners. Mm -hmm. But what I have found in my own personal experience, because I, I would do that, I would use sub sugar substitutes back in the day. And what I have found about those is they're actually worse than than real oh, sugar. Good. Yeah, they're. <laughs> I think Splenda is said to be two thousand times sweeter than sugar, mm -hmm. and. So, so even if it's a diet beverage or something that has zero calories and has Splenda, when, when you've been off sugar for a while and you taste something with Splenda in it, you realize, wow, it is, it tastes so sickeningly sweet. And what I had found is that it actually made my cravings worse. Cara, can you it put did. some perspective oh. on that? Yeah, no, I think that's great. Now there's really two parts to the kind of the, the answer of that question is, the first one is that, yeah, the sweet flavor just perpetuates wanting sugar and mm -hmm. something sweet. Um, and there's a lot of research on the downsides of aspartame, which is um, NutraSweet, or Splenda, which is sucralose. And, you know, to be honest, Splenda has chlorine. Yeah. Um, I mean, some of those things are likened to be like rat poison, yeah. to be honest. Oh. So, so they're very, very unhealthy on top of perpetuating the need for sweetness and su more sugary foods. Right, right. And so that's why I say my cravings protection plan, Ashley, is really to eat eat in balance. Like you've experienced, once you're eating yeah. in balance and you kind of can have that take it or leave it attitude towards the sweet stuff, then that's your best bet. But as I'll talk about in just a minute, I, even after all of my 10 years of experience and eating this way, I occasionally fall off the wagon and I experience the exact same thing you experience where I'll have a donut and then it'll just be the donuts will start to stare at me from the cube they're in and I'll start going and having another little sliver and then another little sliver and literally three donuts are gone before I know it. And that's after all of the work that I've done. So, uh, but I think, I think you're just always a meal or a snack away from just getting right back on track and getting those cravings under control. Awesome. Well, thank you for the information. You're welcome. Thanks, for your call, Thanks Ashley. Ashley. Have a great day. And we're time for our next break. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. People ask me all the time, what motivates you to cook healthy meals, pack your lunch and snacks, drink mineral water at happy hour, drink coffee with cream and never order a mo mocha latte? A driving motivation for me is that I come from a family who struggles with type 2 diabetes and I don't want to get it. <laughs> I also know from research that the consumption of excess sugar is causing the diabetes epidemic. In fact, in 1980, it was estimated that 108 million people had type 2 diabetes, and in 2014, 422 million people had diabetes, a 400% increase in over 30 years. Why such an increase? It was the beginning of the eat low-fat, low high-carb message. People were being told to eat low-fat, high-carb by everyone everywhere. Their doctors, televisions, magazines, billboards. Of course, we know processed carbs and sugar increase your blood sugar levels. 
I am very pleased to say that my blood sugar is very normal at 85. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Hey, Cravings, what's up? Not you, because I'm taking you down. Oh, didn't see that coming? Because I've always buckled under your pressure? Well, this is my house now. So bring it, ice cream. You want a piece of me cake? I see you in the pantry, potato chips. See, this super chick got herself to nutritional weight and wellness and learned that cravings aren't a willpower thing, more like a blood sugar, mineral deficiency, digestive thing. And eating in balance slays the beast. Animal protein. Healthy fats. Vegetable carbs. The temptation taming trifecta. Make you shrink and me shine. Do I feel deprived? <laughs> Not when I'm armed with my nutritional weight and wellness num num chucks. So step off, cravings, or I'll swing you into oblivion. <laughs> I guess I better clean this up. Learn how to conquer your cravings with the Nutrition for Weight Loss program at Nutritional Weight and Wellness. On site or online. Visit weightandwellness.com. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. And I would just like to give out the number before I forget. If you have any questions for us today, feel free to call us in the studio at 651-641-1071. The American Heart Association recommends that we consume no more than six teaspoons of sugar per day because research has found that sugar can cause high blood pressure, high cholesterol, high triglycerides, and heart disease. Sugar also promotes cancer. It can increase the reoccurrence of cancer in patients who have had cancer in the past. Moreover, sugar speeds up aging, and it increases the risk of dementia and Alzheimer's. Sugar also damages the liver. We hear a lot lately about fatty liver mm-hmm. or cirrhosis of the liver, you know, in non-alcoholic mm-hmm. as well. Um, fatty liver is the number one cause of liver disease. So do you need any more motivation to give up the sugar, you know? But an example could be the pancakes that you have for breakfast or the donut that you grab, the mocha that has 10 teaspoons of sugar, the cookies, the the piece of pie and ice cream that you have before bed. So we just kind of want to give these examples because it really is a serious problem for, for all of these health conditions. So before break, I mentioned that at at the age of 12, I begged my mom, take me to Weight Watchers with you. I have been, I have to say, dieting at that age of 12, it messed me up for decades. So that summer after my first Weight Watchers meeting, I pretty much starved myself all summer long. I recall eating only dry tuna on lettuce leaves. Yes, I lost weight. A lot of it probably was water weight and muscle, however, but I fainted numerous times. I always tell the story. I fainted in the Kmart parking Gosh, lot in Burnsville. No. <laughs> and what I did that summer, while I maybe, you know, I got a lot of, you know, hey, you look great. You look great. And I was starving myself. That set me up on an awful roller coaster ride of dieting, losing weight, regaining the weight, plus a few extra pounds over and over and over again. Until I was 100 pounds overweight. Mm. Then dieting, losing weight, regaining the weight, plus a few extra pounds. I did this repeatedly over the years, only to end up obese. So what did I learn about that? I learned to be ashamed of my body. My body didn't need fixing. 
What I did need was to learn to eat real food and to stop eating processed, packaged junk food. Instead, I learned to buy 100-calorie junk food that I couldn't stop eating. Those are those little, remember the snack packs? Or yeah. they're, they're still around. Calorie yeah. Snack packs. yeah, 100 calories of junk, but uh-huh. there are 100 calories. And but hey, they only had three points, so right. I can eat a lot of those. I think of like snack wells and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Oreos, you were saying? Absolutely. You know, did any of you, our longtime listeners, see the article in the Washington Post in February? It was titled "Weight Watchers is targeting teens with a new free program." Ah. That's a problem. (laughs) (laughs) My story says it's a problem. (laughs) So written by Rebecca Scritchfield. She's a dietitian and author of the book Body Kindness. And so what she said in her article, Weight Watchers announced its plans to offer free six-week memberships to kids as young as 13. The company's move is part of a plan to grow revenue and a plan to have loyal customer base for life. Well, that is a disappointing turn of events because yeah. I was a lifelong customer and look what <laughs> happened to me. I ended up 100 pounds overweight. We have another caller, Paula. What's your question? Hi, my name is Paula. Hi, Paula. And hi. So my question is, is that I was diagnosed with prediabetes and I have a lot of inflammation, so they're telling me do grain-free. So I've been doing all the baking with all of, you know, the cassava, the almond flour, and for sweeteners, xylitol. Mm. What do we know about xylitol? Yeah. Can you tell me more about it, please? Yeah, I'm going to let... like a two pounds is like eight. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Xylitol. Xylitol. It's a sugar alcohol, it's isn't it? It's a sugar alcohol. Yeah. Anything that ends in that T O L. Yeah. You know, mannitol, um, xylitol, sorbitol, you know, erythritol. Yeah. Some people do, you know, have pretty bad gas and bloating I, that's from me. sugar alcohols. Yeah. So just FYI. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Prepare for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I I would say so. I was in your same situation where one of the one of the big motivating factors for me to come see you, Cara, at first was it it actually wasn't the weight because I'd almost been hopeless about ever losing weight, but it was the fact that I, my grandmother had diabetes. I have a sister with type two diabetes, and I was pre diabetic. My mm-hmm. blood sugar when I first hit Cara's office was I think one ten or no, it was one sixteen. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I was pre-diabetic too. And really what turned that around wasn't, it wasn't a lot of, I don't remember you saying, you know, it wasn't like a one-to-one replacement. Like you're eating cookies now. So make cookies with, you know, sugar alcohol and that'll be better. It was really looking at changing the way that I ate to opting for carbohydrates that were more in the vegetable category versus you know, kind of swapping one baked good for another. So Paula, I totally understand where you are. And I I mean, I would say two hours with Akara or one of our other nutritionists would be the best place to start rather than, you know, a lot of, a lot of time spent baked, you know, trying to fix the baked Mm -hmm. goods. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's my honest opinion. I think that's great (laughs) advice. We also had a show recently that, Paula, that you could listen to. I don't know if you heard the show, but I think it was just 
uh, in the last month on prediabetes. Yeah, very powerful Ooh. stuff. Yeah, so that would really be a good um, one for you to on listen the, to. For the uh, for download on yes, you could go to okay. weightandwellness.com, listen to uh-huh. a past show. We also okay. have an, a dishing up nutrition app. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple different ways that you could listen to that replay, and then you know, and if you, I think an appointment will also be very helpful too because we can put together a meal plan. And I love the grain-free recommendation to yeah. just make sure maybe everything else is is on par. Go grain-free, the yeah. healthy way. And I can say that even even though I didn't start to lose weight right away, I remember that back in 2008 when I started with Cara, my blood sugar started to come down immediately. So mm-hmm. that was that was a very positive thing. Well, thanks for calling in, Paula. Oh, thanks for all your information. And I'll check everything out. Hope Great. to see you soon. Thank, Thank you. Have a good Take day. Care. So that was an interesting call. Because I was in that yeah. same situation, and I'm so glad I found you um, to guide me through that very scary diagnosis. Because it is scary, because diabetes is no fun. Yeah, and reversible, like we did talk it's about totally reversible. in that show. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, totally reversible. And in my case, reversible very quickly. So isn't it sad that an estimated 45 million Americans are dieting and approximately 91% of American women report they're dissatisfied with their bodies? Although it is very sad, I totally understand. Because after that first summer of dieting and starving myself, I was so unhappy with my body that it sent me on this crazy roller coaster of weight loss and weight gain. It wasn't until I gained respect for my body and started feeding my body with good, healthy fats that I realized I needed to feed my body that protein, vegetable, and beneficial fats to have that body respect. Mm-hmm. It's already time Time for our last break. break. Oh my gosh, it's going so fast. (laughs) We've had some great callers though. You are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. Today, I'm sharing my insight about weight loss and weight maintenance. To be perfectly honest, I like my weight. I like my body and I like the way that I eat now. Although I have developed a habit over the past 10 years, a habit of eating good food and having good food with me when I'm on the go, I still need a boost from time to time. Because I respect my health. I make ongoing appointments with my nutritionist to make sure I am aware of my overall health. I still need reminding that my intestinal tract, my hormones, my sleep, my emotions, my knees, because I know it all goes back to my food and nutrition. So to me, seeing my nutritionist is the best money I can spend on myself. I learn, we laugh, and I leave refreshed and renewed. That is true about my commitment. It is very energizing. Is it time you make an appointment too? Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. Maybe after listening to Nell's story, you have reached the conclusion that you need to learn how to eat better to restore your health. At Nutritional Weight and Wellness, we have classes for you to learn and we have nutritionists and nutrition educators to motivate you. A client told me recently after she uh, completed the Nutrition for Weight Loss series that she was able to get off her diabetes medications, which were costing her a couple hundred dollars each month. So think about that. She's actually saving $2,400 a year. And she doesn't have diabetes. I know. And there, as anymore. an MBA student, I can do a quick cost-benefit analysis for anybody <laughs> on all the stuff that I used to be on. And then they say, wow. well, a nutritionist costs so much money. It's like, uh-uh. You $2,400 a year, that's what you save. Not in the big picture. It's not a lot of money. Not a lot of money. <laughs> nope. Our weekend weight and wellness series is coming up, and that's... 
the weekend of April 20th through the 22nd. And our next Nutrition for Weight Loss series is going to start up the week of April 6th, actually in eight different locations. Fabulous. So if you have questions about either one of those things, you can call our office at 651-699-3438. If you'd like to just read about the classes to get more information, that would be on our website, weightandwellness.com. And we're happy to get you enrolled in a class or set you up with an individual appointment that's going to work best for your schedule. So you can call that number. So before break, we were t- I was going to talk about uh, the a Washington Post article that it points out that in 2016, the American Academy of Pediatrics uh, released a clinical paper stating that dieting, okay, so dieting was ref- uh, defined as calorie restriction with the goal of weight loss. <laughs> and the paper stated that that was a risk factor for the development of an eating disorder yeah. and obesity. So maybe the extra weight on your body is not your fault because dieting, calorie restriction, low fat and fat free eating may have set you up to binge eat and have a twofold increased risk of becoming overweight or obese. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. The research is supporting my lifelong struggle. And that's very <laughs> recent research. I yeah. think that's really interesting. Really interesting. I think when we chose the title of this show, you don't need to be perfect to lose weight. We were trying to say, hey, to lose weight, you don't need to be on a low fat starvation type diet. There's a better, healthier way to lose weight that not only works, but also keeps you satisfied and makes you feel good, gives you energy. For myself, I know I have to constantly confront my fear of eating, fear of eating the fear of eating fat. Eating low fat was such a strong message, and it is for so many people mm-hmm. for such a long time that it's almost a part of our DNA. It really is. I. I can see that in my clients' faces and yeah, hear it they, when I'm doing a phone appointment. You know, at, you know, they've been eating low fat for 50 years. And it's almost like the f- color drains out of their face. Yeah, they can't wrap their head around the fact that we're recommending healthy fats yep. for a weight loss plan. It's terrifying for them. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, there are certain fats that we do need to avoid. And those fats are refined oils and trans fats. Those are actually damaging to our cell membranes. So nearly all fast food is going to contain these refined oils, which would be, if we broke it down, you know, they would be soybean oil, corn oil, cottonseed, canola oil. Most prepackaged processed foods are containing soybean or corn oil. So we want to avoid these fats. I really like, you know, Dr. Mark Hyman. Yeah, I like him. He's great. And he just very recently wrote Food What the Heck Should I Eat? (laughs) Which is a great book. That is a great title. (laughs) Um, And he talked a lot about soybean oil and that we really should just be avoiding soybean oil. Um, You know, often it's turned into a trans fat. Yeah. You'll see hydrogenated soybean oil. And he basically just said that this type of fat makes our tissues inflamed, increases our risk of heart disease, cancer, dementia, Depression, homicide, violence, and suicide. So powerful. That might sound crazy, but 
you know, the fats that we eat affect every cell membrane in our body. Yep. Including our brain cells. That's yeah. absolutely right. In many ways that I eat, I am perfect. So especially in regards to eating those good beneficial fats and avoiding the bad damaging fats. I really do steer clear of all of those refined oils, including soybean oil. If I see soybean oil on a label, it's gone. So because I don't want to increase my chances of getting heart disease, cancer, depression, or many of the other diseases related to those damaging oils. I wish more people would get on the bandwagon avoiding these bad fats because I truly believe people would have fewer aches and pains, fewer inflammation, and also fewer memory problems. Did I learn about what fats to eat and what fats to avoid when I learned about counting points? Of course not. Many of the 100-calorie, three-point snacks contain soybean oil, corn oil, cottonseed oil, I'm sure many of you are thinking, so where did you learn about eating the right kinds of fats? I learned about them that first day with Cara. Mm -hmm. And I was one of those people whose mouth probably dropped open and the color (laughs) drained out of my face. What? I can eat what? Right. And from the many weight and wellness classes that I've taken in my life. And taught. (laughs) And taught. Yep. I get a reminder every time. I've asked myself, how did I not know some of this basic nutrition information? After all, I'm, I, like I said, I'm getting my MBA, so I do know how to read and study. I'm not a stupid person. How could I have been using the wrong oils for my body and brain for all of those years before I met Cara? I'm sure my grandmother ate the kind, right kind of oils. I, I remember her keeping the bacon grease. Mm. <laughs> In the pan. Yep. Now she seems very wise. And she would always say, what is this? And she'd pick up, you know, I think it was blue bonnet, you know, (laughs) margarine. And she was always, she'd always say, ugh, yuck, real butter only. So, and I thought she was crazy then, but she knew the right information. I am now thoroughly convinced that it is time we start teaching our children the correct message about these foods and what foods we really should steer clear of. It seems the food industry is not in the business of protecting our health, but rather it's in the business to make money. That's so true. Let's go back to that research from the American Academy of Pediatrics found that when people, especially teens, were dieting, again, which means calorie restriction with the goal of losing weight. So those teens are at higher risk factor for developing an eating disorder, higher risk factor of becoming obese. So dieting, calorie restriction, and low-fat eating, it really sets people up to binge and crave sugar and processed carbs. Yeah. So you can remember that, right? Absolutely. That behavior? So our goal at Nutritional Weight and Wellness is to help each and every person experience better health through eating real food. It's a simple yet powerful message that changed my life. Eating real food is life-changing, and I am a testament to that. So thank you for joining us, and we hope that you have a wonderful day. And thank you so much for sharing your story now. I'm always happy to be here with you, Cara. Thanks for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you enjoy this podcast, please share your favorite episodes with a friend or leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Product statements have not been evaluated by the FDA.